Hi, Julia Shafini here. Uh, before we start the episode, we just want to say a quick thank you. We appreciate all of you so much for listening and supporting the show. We couldn't do it without you. We have mentioned our Patreon at the end of each episode, but I just want to go into a little bit more detail about that. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a website that allows you to support your favorite creators, hopefully us. You can pledge as little as a dollar an episode and get access to cool exclusive rewards. For Tides, you can get access to episodes several days early, as well as things like bloopers, extra scenes, annotated scripts, and more. In addition, we've set some goals. If we reach our goal of $150 an episode, we will create a series of mini episodes to air between season one and two. These mini episodes will act as prequels to the series, focusing on the relationships between the members of the Strybog's crew. We are very excited to share these stories with you. Head over to patreon.com slash tidespodcast if you're interested in helping us reach this goal. And honestly, thank you so much. Tides. Well, I made it back up here eventually. Hello? Come in, anyone? Oh no, they're over the horizon now, damn it. Montague is going to be a little pissed I hung up on him. Oh well, keep him in suspense. I wonder if there's a betting pool going on. Alive or dead? <laughs> He'll put his money on dead. Uh, Stevens will probably be on the alive side because he needs my co-authorship to get anywhere in xenobiology. Although, with me dead, he would be able to take all the data I collected and publish without me. (laughs) Nah, it'd still be better to have my name on it as well. Uh, The captain would be betting on dead, but that's not personal, just practicality and overly reasonable thinking. I'd like to think Melissa would be rooting for me. If I had been thinking about it before, I guess I would have had no choice but to bet on myself, of course. I can't collect a payoff if I'm dead. There's no option for me but to keep planning for my continued survival. My ankle's feeling a lot better, actually, which is good because I might need to climb up and down to retrieve supplies before I get picked up. I I lost some rations in the wave, I think. Hopefully everything else is okay. Speaking of which, I should really drink some water. It's been a while. Still night, but the sky's getting lighter in the east, I think. My legs are like rubber. It was a surprisingly hard swim up. I'm not all that buoyant in the suit, actually. I didn't encounter much fish or anything, and I I couldn't see anything because of the murkiness anyway. Other shell creatures were hidden away. I thought I saw a very angry-looking tentacle thing pulling itself out of the mud in a cloud of sediment. I got out of there before seeing what it did next, though. I'm lying on my back, looking at the slowly lightening sky through all the scratches on my visor. The sky above me is clear, aside for a few wispy clouds, still dark with some stars out. I I did think there'd be more storms. Maybe this is just a relatively calm time of year. Uh, 
I'm just gonna lie here for a moment. <sighs> now I'm able to move around a little. I, I can't have this whole broadcast be a record of all the naps I've attempted to take. Tide's on its way down, about halfway down the rock. My ankle is feeling better. I, I still have a limp, though, and it still feels a bit swollen. <sighs> For the first time, I'm seeing the pattern start to repeat itself as it gets less dark and at the same time the tide gets lower and lower. As the water flows away, the, the trees one by one re-extend themselves and inch by inch the rocks dry off again. <sighs> Jesus, the dawn is taking forever. Still no sun, just, uh, just a gradual paling in the sky. I think I can almost see the ocean from here, glittering a bit on the horizon, blending into the shadowy incline. After spending all that time heading for higher ground, it's, it's weird to turn around and face the other direction. It's a flat, black, calm sea that's retreating from me. It, it doesn't get lower so much as the texture of the ground rises out of it. I've seen tides come in and out before, on Earth, that is. Near our place in Maine as a kid, I'd climb down a little cliff to get to a rocky beach, and I'd spend hours sitting there hoping to see a whale or building driftwood houses. I never went swimming because it wasn't really a swimming kind of place. There was rarely anyone else there. Sometimes it felt like it was all just mine. But then I'd find a beer can or the remains of a fire and be reminded that no part of our homeworld is untouched. The part of us that is drawn to the empty places draws everyone else, too. And the empty places are not anymore. Not even here, really. I'm imagining myself, a tiny speck on that muddy, dark plain, walking this way, struggling bit by bit across it. The pools reflect a little of the glow from the sky, and I can see now that they wind and squiggle all over the place. I can see ripples in one of them. One, two, no, no, three. Three black shapes take off from it. They're coming into focus and... Oh. <laughs> I know these guys. Uh, the biggest and most aggressive is Angelica. No angel by her looks, of course. Uh, still, there's a certain striking nature to her appearance. Uh, even that face. And the other upside-down face. She's domineering, snapping at the others, sometimes trying to sit on them. Uh, her skin is rougher, less sleek black and more scaly dark gray. This could be a sign of age, or a different phenotype, or something like that. Uh, the middlest one is quieter. It, it feels quieter, more thoughtful. <laughs> Even I can't avoid humanizing things. Anyway, this one, Eliza, she's, she's less aggressive, but she's not a pushover. She's nearly as big as Angelica, and she knows it, too. She's jabbing her beak at the bigger companion when she gets too close or tries to sit on her. Never in a serious attempt to injure, though. At least, I don't think so. The third one is a bit smaller and distinctly perky. A juvenile, maybe? But definitely a Peggy. She crouches a little apart, spastically hopping around, sometimes interjecting herself into the other squabbling. I think out of the three of them, she's the only one that may have noticed me down in my crevice next to the boulder that they like to sit on. She sticks her head over the edge, and I think maybe the lower two eyes can see me, but they're just 
black featureless orbs in the dim light. She does this every so often, almost pointedly, like she's keeping tabs on me. I'm just a weird orange and blue motionless thing among the rocks. Nothing too interesting. Nothing like what they normally eat, I hope. Sometimes they all just stop at once and, and face in the same direction, east towards the sea. I, I don't hear anything or see anything that could be getting their attention other than the slowly approaching dawn. They've swooped and climbed down to the lower slopes of my pile of rocks. I I'm slowly following them down, though obviously I'm a little hesitant. My ankle feels a lot better now. I'm not going all the way down, though, just enough to see what they're up to. What they aren't doing right now is hunting. It's eerie how quiet they are, moving among the tan shells in the gloom, not avoiding them, but also careful not to touch any of them as they hunt along. Angelica is... Pausing. What is she? Oh, yuck. Oh, she just, she just spat out a whole wad of this wobbly gunk, uh, phlegm or whatever. Eliza's walking over. No, oh, no, don't eat that. Oh, uh, wait, she's, oh, something just came out of her beak too and into, oh, oh, okay. I, I think I see. I saw these right after I started walking, these spheres of gunk with a brown spotted orb inside. It's an egg just left out there in the open. Peggy's coming over too. She, she's sort of laying on top of it and uh, doing something I, I can't quite see. I, I have to say, not the most disgusting reproductive behavior I've ever seen if that's what that was. It all raises interesting questions about sex and gender, but I think their names are their names for now. It's a little unfortunate that I named them after historical sisters, huh? Huh. This shell I'm standing by is relatively high on the rocks. I, I remember when I was observing the animals moving around before, this one was unoccupied and the others came and interacted with it. There's sort of an apparatus on one side, just, it, it's just sort of a hole covered by a fine mesh made of, I don't know. It, it's not calcium carbonate or organic material, I think, or even metal. There's there's something behind it, like a, a turbine. Now, this hatchway is pretty much the same as the others, except there's a patch of different texture on the shell next to it. I, if I touch it, huh, it opens, but huh, no one's home. Inside is dark. No, I am not climbing in, not again. Well, uh, no, no, it's not worth it. I will, though, reach my arm in. Um, uh, I, oh, okay, I, I got something in. Oh, a handful of green slime. Wonderful. Man, I, I wish I had known about this last night. It's more roomy, even if it is full of slime. So, 
I have a theory. It's about the algae and other stuff too. Phytoplankton and zooplankton. The shell creatures are filter feeders, which makes sense because most of Fonz's biomass is located in the euphotic zone, densely packed with photosynthetic organisms. It's an easy to obtain food source with little competition. But there are problems with passively waiting for food to come to you. The, the environment of a region can easily change. An algal bloom leads to dead algae that bacteria decompose aerobically, depleting oxygen and killing other species. Upwelling from ocean vents can increase or decrease, and nutrients like iron and oxygen and phosphorus are necessary components of the ecosystem, so a lack can also lead to die-offs. Not to mention, Fawns goes into the shadow of Alternus for a portion of every month, and it gets cold and dark, and the algae die. What humans historically do when facing an expected period of low food resources, say winter, is store food. In modern times, food is stored and distributed communally, distinctly different than birds and squirrels storing food for personal use. I, I think this empty shell, full of gunk, is a communal warehouse. Uh, 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 a gunk silo. Sure. <laughs> Not only that, it has a filter system. Plankton and algae are sucked in the hatchway and excess water exits through the hole covered by the screen. It was specifically constructed to function in this way. It might even be called mechanical. An automated algae farm. A, a factory. It's... <laughs> it's incredible. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Ah! 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 Fuck! Ah! Oh, Jesus. Ah! Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. I, I can't see anything. I need to get the stupid helmet off. Oh, no, no, damn it. I can't take the helmet off. Fuck. No leaks that I can tell, but it's all busted up. Okay. Okay. Sun's coming up, I guess. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, future scientists. This planet isn't going to be a clean slate. But that was true as soon as the lander entered the atmosphere. Uh, in a more general sense, I, I mean, in that everything affects everything else. But it's a little different when the bacteria on my teeth gets blown out with my breath onto the breeze that carries a billion other spores and bacteria, and they all get mixed up together and land in the ocean where they spread because nothing can eat them, and eventually... Well, I don't know what happens eventually. That's the problem. Like I've said before, the, the air here is just about breathable. A little high on the oxygen side, there's a sulfurous smell of volcanoes and the smell of the sea underneath it. <sighs> Can't smell the fish anymore. I'm just used to it by now, I guess. That's the thing, though. It could never be pristine. It could never be perfect and untouched and, and still have me here seeing it. Isn't that weird to think that, that we never were separate from the things that we observed at all? Not even behind a microscope or a hood or in a clean room. Uh, Montague, don't use that as an excuse for the state of your workspace. It will not work on me. When Angelica attacked me, which is understandable, I stepped right on that egg. But 
The unexpected part was the shell nearby chasing the birds away. It was <laughs> kind of weird. Purposeful. It, it wasn't Bob. Bob was much further down, so it, it was another one. The birds made a lot of noise when before they had been pretty quiet in among the shells. Maybe that's what set it off? But I felt like... Like it was protecting me. It was only after I fell, the, the noise must have alerted it. Everything to them must be vibrations. <laughs> Yet, even without sight, there's something more to them than what I'm seeing, I guess. I couldn't go for more than a few minutes having my vision impaired before I ripped my helmet off. I'm just used to it. I, I need to observe things that way. It's silly. After all, it it's just one method of input with its own limitations. Now I'm using some new ones, like smell, which... Ooh, oh, ooh, I'm not glad to have that one back, really. Uh, I've been in the suit way too long. I just want a shower. The helmet still seals, so there's that, if the conditions change, and they might. Around noon, I might need to put it back on and fire up the cooling system. Huh. It's a long time till noon again. I've been trapped on this planet for a little over one day now. <laughs> they make Earth days seem very small and insignificant by comparison. Smaller cycles and bigger cycles. I brought the Earth cycle with me. The stupid SCN up above my optic nerve. It's ticking away to oblivion, trying and failing to adapt to the change in light. I really wasn't made for this place. Dr. Uris? Can you hear me, Dr. Uris? <sighs> oh, it's... it's you. Uh, yeah, it's me. You're okay! <laughs> it's so great to hear your voice. We've all been rooting for you up here, Fred. Uh, Stevens, how long until you come to get me? Oh, um, let me look at... Uh, I think it's about, uh... I'll wait. With orbital corrections and maneuvering around micrometeorite clouds, we can be in geosynchronous orbit in 20 hours? <sighs> then, you know, drop the lander down to the surface to pick you up. That'll take a little while. Oh man, you must be so relieved. Montague got really upset when we lost contact. He what? I mean, he, he got mad at me? I don't see why he wasn't the one in danger on this stupid goddamn planet. Oh, no, uh, upset about more the situation than you, exactly. Actually, he was pretty worried. We all are. How are you, exactly? I I've been a lot worse. Oh, of course. But, uh, but I've also been a lot better. Do you want to talk about it? We'll have good reception all the way in. <sighs> Not right now, I think. <sighs> okay, maybe, maybe I do. <sighs> Tides was written by Jesse Shushu and directed by Jesse Shushu and Ayla Taylor. It was produced by Ayla Taylor and edited by Bridge Geen. The voice of Dr. Uris is Julia Shafini. Dr. Victor Stevens was voiced by Jordan Higgs. Special thanks to Sarah Durst for designing our cover art. You can find us online at our website, tidespodcast.com, and follow us on Tumblr and Twitter at tidespodcast. If you like our show and would like to help us keep making it, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tidespodcast. Special thanks goes to Abysme for their particularly generous donation. 
As always, thank you so much for listening. And now... This is Dr. Victor Stevens, and uh, this is life fact number one. I'm terrified! <laughs>